Hello. Hey, Max. How are you? Dan, what's up? Max, you wrote our beautiful ballad of a dancer's theme song. Well, thank you. You are a musician through and through, and we're talking to musicians on the show today about the songs they wrote for our compilation of love. And one of the musicians, Roger Harvey, which we'll hear later on, told a story about how he went to karaoke in Europe and the guy saying, happy birthday. And it reminded me of how when your band used to perform the Beatles song, happy birthday. Can you tell us how that got into your set list? Well, that was an early one in the set list. And we always thought it's it's a given for birthday parties. And hey, if it's not played at birthday parties, you got a chance that it's somebody's birthday. So it, it's it's perfect for booking birthdays because you, you always have that. Everybody is pointing a finger to whose birthday it is. It usually works itself out. Did you ever play it and you didn't know if it was anyone's birthday and then it ended up being someone's birthday? Yeah, once you run out of your good five or six songs, you're you're really digging deep in your pocket. Now, my question is, how did you not know how many songs you would be playing that night? Because when you play live every song you practice a handful of times, it speeds up, so you play it uh, half as quick as you usually do. So that can really ruin a set list, especially if you're not keeping any sense of time, which I usually do black out when I play live. It's one of my signature things. So like many men, you would black out, finish too quickly, and then just start singing happy birthday. Yeah, or run out of tricks uh, very quickly, yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I love your your <laughs> contributions to the show. Thanks. I've been, I've uh, really enjoyed having something to work on, and I'm really glad that you reach out with opportunities or questions or get all your information out there. It's been a lot of fun to be with this project. Of course. We were radio buddies a long time ago. We have to continue that. Yeah, you give good direction and you know what you need and you're not afraid to reach out. That is very true. Before I let you go, the compilation of love, the out of love shirt that we're raising money for women against abuse speaks a little closely to you and your personal life. I wanted to know, do you have a message for any of the artists who contributed music or anybody who's been donating their generous money to women against abuse? Make it a normal thing. Make talking about that topic something not to be afraid about and listen to other people. I guess we just have to talk more about that or be more engaged with people and zero acceptance for any physical or verbal language. Just um, always check in with people. That's kind of been the the theme with uh, all you can do for friends and family for mental health or Mm -hmm. suicide prevention or domestic abuse, I guess have a zero tolerance for that and stay close to people with that have those same kind of relationships, maybe multiple times, Mm -hmm. always reach out to them. And it's something you have to check in with them about. Yeah. And don't get discouraged by inaction. Don't start blaming them because when these people are going through these intense types of abuse, they will always need an outlet. And so you can't, you know, if you get mad at them for staying with someone, if you get mad at them for not doing what you believe is clearly right, you still need to be open with them. And you still need to always be a resource, even if it pains you or you're running out of patience. Yeah, it's always such a huge shock to hear news like that from somebody you love when you have zero tolerance for for those things in a relationship. And and they've began to normalize. Yeah, you really just have to listen to those people and see 
how you can steer them the right way and all with love. Yeah. All with love. Well, Max, thank you for, for talking to me. Thanks for calling, Dan. You made my night. <laughs> I love it. Hello, and welcome to Out of Love, the show where we try to make sense of love in hopes of better relationships, bettering ourselves, and in my case, becoming a better wedding officiant. My name is Dan Castorella, and I'm so sick of love songs, so tired of tears, so done with wishing you were still here. On today's show, our final four artists from the compilation of love talk about their love songs. We have Anika Pyle and Roger Harvey, Jimmy Doyle, Liz Parsons of Big Nothing, and Steady Hands. Today we conclude our four-part series talking to the artist who contributed songs for our compilation of love. And boy, do we have a lot of good ones. If you need a reminder of what the compilation of love is, we asked our songwriter friends to write a song responding to the word love. We put them all together, and we released an album. If you have not picked up the compilation of love or the Out of Love shirt, do so now. This is your last chance. You only have until the end of October to do so. All the proceeds for the shirt and the album go to Philadelphia's Women Against Abuse, a nonprofit that helps fund their emergency safe havens, legal resources, and Philadelphia's domestic abuse hotline. You can get both the shirt and the album at outofloveshow.com slash store, outofloveshow.com slash store. It is in the link to our Instagram bio. It is in the link to my personal Instagram bio, at Dan Casarella. Now, on today's show, we are continuing our series where we talk to the generous and wonderful artists about their love songs that they wrote for the compilation of love. On today's show, I talked to Jimmy Doyle, Liz Parsons of Big Nothing, and Sean from Steady Hands. To start things off, I talked with Anika Pyle and Roger Harvey about their duet, Love Is In The Little Things. Now, this conversation really struck with me and offered me a lot of clarity. If I'm being perfectly honest with everyone, it's not always easy to do this show. It's not always easy to think about love and kind of frame all your thoughts through that perspective. And after I recorded this conversation, I kept coming back to something Roger said about his time in quarantine. He said, if there's any hope left, it's these little things that we can focus on together. And it reminded me of the importance of taking a step back and not looking at love as an answer, because it can't be. Love is not linear. You can't build it. You can't make it appear out of want. You have to compromise if it's really worth it. And when it's not, you have to be able to let it go, even against all your own instincts. We can't be resentful when it's not there because everyone's different and they have different timelines, they have different perspectives. And that's why love is beautiful. And that's why it's worth having. Because when it's right, you share your individual, extraordinary, weird self with someone who's equally flawed and equally beautiful. Love will never be perfect and we cannot hold it or someone else to those standards. Love is as flawed as we are and in the end, that's why it's worth the effort. Roger and Anika reminded me of that. Now, here's a portion of their beautiful ballad Love is in the little things. Love is in the sunlight Flooding in the room The two of us are sleeping Woven by a loom Love is in the coffee You make me every day Really it's the moments Share after it's made Love is in the little things We do most every day Never seem to notice Till they've all but gone away Had love and I've lost it I 
enough to finally see Love is in the little things All right, thank you guys so much for coming on. I was telling you guys off there, absolutely loved your duet. Made me cry. I love the sentiment of the song because you really do know you love somebody when you can just be with them and not have to try to put on a persona. What was the inspiration for your song, Love is in the Little Things? I was thinking about Roger. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're in a relationship of any length or duration, you experience so many things together. But I think when it comes down to it, the things that really mean the most are the littlest gestures of walking towards the person you love, like metaphorically. And so I was just thinking about some of those little moments that we've experienced together. And I wrote a poem about that. And then we we turned it into a song. And you guys have done a couple of duets together, which is so astonishing to me because collaboration can be super hard. What is the process of writing a duet? You said you came up with the poem and then brought it to Roger. Was that your process for the other two duets? Do you write them together? Does one person bring it to the other usually? You know, this is something like in, I've been really grateful in quarantine, which I think this song is like so pertinent to. If there's any hope left, it's like these little moments that we can can focus on. But one thing that I've been really grateful for is having Anika as a partner and the ability to still collaborate with anyone. But it was something that we kind of started to do right before I wrote a song called You and I, and this is a little bit more of a duet than even that was in like the traditional sense, the fact that we're like shifting back and forth between kind of like telling a story together. But I guess every every time we've done that, it's been a little bit different. This was really cool because Anika has all these amazing poems. And I think at some point I was sitting around the house playing guitar and you were like, do you think we could turn this into a song? And to me, I don't know, there's something about this song that to me feels like this really nice pair um, with the song You and I. And that's super special to to me and to us, I think. Yeah, it's nice to have a dialogue. And for this, it was a little a little different. So I had written the words and then we sat down together and you know chose some chords, basically. Roger chose chords on the guitar and then I sing a melody over them. And then we kind of worked out the chorus together. So it was very much a musically collaborative process. And then we reworked some of the, we like built a chorus in and reworked some of the words from the poem to fit the chorus. So, and it was like really easy and fun. Yeah. And I I think, thank you for asking us to be a part of the project because it just motivated us to to finish oh, of course. this kind of idea that we'd been kicking around because we've, we've just been sitting around the house a, a lot <laughs> this year. So yeah, just having these little moments of time to focus on, on something like playing a song together have been really uplifting in all the chaos. Anika, you say you write a lot of poems. Do you find it hard to share with Roger those that poetry that you wrote about him? Are you a little intimidated when you first bring it to him? I guess it depends. It depends on the the nature of the content. I feel like a lot of the time I'm like, can I share something with you? (laughs) You know, and then there are other times where I'm a little bit shy about it and I like to make a ceremony out of it. So it'll be like a nice gift. But I think we have a pretty, we're pretty open with our feelings over here. So it's easy to share and, and feel like we can celebrate that together. Nice. How did you two meet? Music. 
when I think about like how I met anyone, it almost always comes back to music because it holds such a huge part in well, both of our lives, but also has the ability to connect, not to sound like cliche, but connect so many people. We met, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Anika came through on tour. Yeah, it was the first tour that you went on, right? First long tour that Trump went on, yeah. We met in Pittsburgh. We played the Brillo Box with Pup at, on that tour, and that's, and Roger and I met tonight. <laughs> Oh my god. Sister. Sister. Yeah, and then we became friends and we ended up going on tour together and then throughout the the time of those days we just hit it off and and started seeing each other and the rest is history. When did you guys both first start deciding to write music together? Well, this is I think this is the first thing that you could say that we've written together. We had a tour planned in March that was going to be like our first tour together and so we had started working on some songs that we could play together and sing together and I had sing with Roger a couple of times just when he would play with the band and but yeah this was like our first like okay well let's write a song together and it was really fun so we were thinking about doing some more you know maybe like a yeah holiday record or something <laughs> that would be excellent <laughs> Uh, yeah. You guys have obviously sang together. I'm curious, do you have a go-to karaoke duet? Because I was trying, I made a little list. These, these are what I think are the three best karaoke duets for me personally to sing, not for everybody. Stop Dragging My Heart Around by Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty. Ooh, Dilemma wow. by Nellie and Kelly Rollin. And Shallow from the film A Star is Born. Oh, Oh, the last time I was in a proper studio, I was recording up in Fishtown and we were going to the to the Nut Hut after our sessions and there was a big karaoke night there and some people did that. I think the Star is Born song. Yeah, it was incredible. It was insane. We have not done that. I would we've never sang a duet (laughs) for karaoke, although we have been singing Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou Harris. Well, we've been doing Hickory Wind. Hickory a bit. Wind, yeah. They might not even have that on a list for karaoke, but that's that's my favorite <laughs> song to sing with Roger because the harmonies are just so so good. Although I've been trying to convince him to do J Lo and uh, Ja Rule, but that's not going over very well. <laughs> yeah, I have a really, I have a. I'm real I, I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> yeah, really. Ah. Yes, you have. <laughs> Sing it for me. Because I'm real and I can't go on without you. Okay, that sounds kind of familiar. There you go. <laughs> um, I mean, it's all on you, Roger, to get that jaw rule. Yeah, After, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I got more work to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't recall a time we ever even did. I have kind of a weird relationship with karaoke. Yeah, we both have, have a weird some, relationship like, with karaoke. I have some friends who are really, really into karaoke, and I've gone around with them and had a lot of fun. I once did... On a tour in Europe, I was doing a lot of karaoke. I was with the band Caves, and they were, like, really into doing karaoke. And I remember one night we were in, I want to say, Switzerland, maybe Zurich, and we went to this after-hours karaoke bar, and there was very few songs in English. And the one song that stuck out to me was Happy Birthday to You. And I was like, I got a song, and I put it in, and I didn't tell anybody what it was. And I, I just kept saying, everybody knows this song. 
and that that's my most memorable karaoke moment. I have a, a very dear friend who actually uh, played bass with me, for Greg Karlowitz, and he is like the king of karaoke. So I've been around with him a lot, but I've always like looked at him and been like, it's so cool he enjoys it so much. Before I let you both go, what is each of your favorite little thing about the other person? Hmm. Well, there's so many little things, but something that I didn't write into the poem, but that was sort of an inspiring moment from the poem was this very, I guess, beautiful, I don't know, that's such a lame word. I need a better word, but a very profound and important moment for me, a very little thing that meant so much to me that will mean something to me forever is when I lost my dad last year and I got a phone call at work telling me, my mom called me to tell me he had passed away. And I walked home and I, you know, called Roger on the way home and he left the house and started walking and met me halfway. And that was just this very little thing, just walking down the street to meet me that made me feel so loved and so seen and supported. And just a little thing can really go a long way. That's beautiful. Roger? Yeah, I don't don't want to sound too cliche because of the song, but continuing on it, I think that if you can find hope in this year, because it's been such a difficult year for all of us. And every time I say that out loud or think that out loud, I always think it's so much harder for so many other people. And something that I've focused on a lot is how lucky we are to have each other and to be able to share these, not just share the small moments that we have always appreciated and been very grateful for, but also in this, like the slowness of all of it, I keep telling myself, I don't want to get to the other side of all this and think, wow, that whole time, all I thought about was, what am I going to do for work? What should I be doing with my life? All these things that are just so, so human to experience in these moments of such stillness. But Mm -hmm. I think it's, it, it is all those little things that we get to share right now and not to be like more vague because you told such a specific story, but we, we've been together for a long time and we have shared a lot of special moments. And I think that it's kind of like the culmination of all those things that is what makes it so special. And now we've got a dog. <laughs> like we've yeah. got this, that's, that's like our big thing right now. Even more we, little things like we'll give an example. Yeah, she like drives us completely insane. We're like, why won't she stop crying? And like, she hates to be in her crate. Sometimes, sometimes she's like very like, I'm going to sleep. But last night we had a night where she was like, I'm just going to bark. And we're very (laughs) self-conscious about our neighbors. We want to make sure that we're being good neighbors. And so it can get a little frustrating. And then we go up to bed and we're like, should we go get her out of her crate and but, bring her up here? But we missed her so much that we just looked at all the <laughs> pictures we'd ever taken of her and then watched dog videos of funny dogs doing funny stuff. Oh. <laughs> it's little stupid stuff that... That's that's what love is. Yeah, little stupid yeah. stuff. That, that's, we'll, we'll change the name of the little love is in the little things to love is the little stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anika and Roger. Check out all of their solo work and their other duets on Spotify. And you can follow their dog sister on Instagram at Sister Bob the Dog. Next, we change tunes and tones as I talk to Jimmy Doyle about his New York punk rock ode to the New York Islanders. It's just a game. 
Here's a portion. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The inspiration for your song, It's Just a Game, was your love for hockey. What can you tell us about your relationship with hockey and the New York Islanders? Well, I was born in November of 1983. The last time the New York Islanders won the Stanley Cup was a couple months before I was born. My father had season tickets to that team from 1977 to 1985, so he got to see all of those firsthand. And my family, the, the sports teams that they would root for, Mets, Jets, and Islanders. And if you're familiar with any of those teams, I, I could only take so much heartbreak. So yeah. I kind of stuck with the hockey thing. Yeah. I had season tickets for six years. As an adult, when I decided to do that, I was at a time in my life where I wasn't really pursuing playing music. I was focusing on working and trying to transition into adulthood. You know, I spent a lot of time in a van and chasing that dream. And so when I was older, I decided, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it became like like a religious experience to me. I'm not a religious person. I don't really have uh, any sort of traditional faith but going to the hockey games, actually being there and enjoying the sport was that was my time away from the music scene and my job and any sort of relationships I had in my life. That was my time to just kind of like my meditation time, I guess. For sure. And sports gives you a different sense of community, much like a religion could. Yeah, absolutely. I also spent a lot of time with a lot of people that I necessarily wouldn't have spent time with whether we have differing opinions on politics or religion or whatever, social issues, I got to be part of a community and kind of put all that stuff aside and we just kind of root for our team. We submitted this proposal probably in August, which was right before the hockey playoffs started. Did the Islanders' playoff progression affect the writing of this song? Well, the last time that they went to the conference final, the Eastern Conference final. I was nine years old. That was 27 years ago. Oh, wow. And they were facing elimination in game five of their series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I watched game five, and they ended up winning that game. It was really incredible. They didn't win the series, but facing elimination in that game and pulling it out where they, they won that game in overtime, really, really exciting moment. And I had kind of been putting together ideas of what I was going to write this song about. Like I said before, about spending time with people that I might not get along with outside of a hockey arena. I was thinking more about like doing that, but the excitement of watching that game, I wrote and tracked most of this song the day after that game five I leaned more towards like this, the spirit of like teamwork and the passion that people have for this game. And so that's where, that's where the lyrical content of this song came from. The first verse is kind of written from the perspective of like a teammate or a captain of a team addressing everyone as we're going to do this together. The chorus is more as a fan, just living and dying with the team and, you know, just having faith in that. And then the second verse is written from more perspective of like a leadership role, a coach or something like that. 
So I kind of tried to do different perspectives of people that are involved in the game as opposed to how it directly affected me and the people that I surrounded myself with. That's fantastic. Did you play hockey growing up? Uh, in the street, I gave my brother stitches, slashing him to the back of the head once. But oh, no. it's a very expensive sport to play. Mm-hmm. I went to a public school that the system didn't have any sort of hockey that was publicly funded. So if I wanted to play, it would have been private. So I've never played ice hockey, but I have played a bunch of street hockey. That's the only sport that I've ever really identified with as like a hardcore fan. I can watch a basketball game or a soccer match, but I don't follow any other sports. Baseball bores me. Yeah. I can't watch a game for six hours. My ADD acts up with that. <laughs> How do you feel about the Islanders going into the offseason? How do you feel about their future? I think it'll be an interesting offseason, but since those four championships they won – in the 80s, they haven't really gone too deep into the postseason with the exception of the 92-93 season. So they've really been sort of a laughing stock, especially the last 20, 30 years, I'd say. Now they're in a position where they, they have a new arena being built. They have a great coach, a great general manager, and a great core of guys that they can, young guys that they can build upon. So now I see things like big ticket free agents maybe wanting to come to the team, whereas in the past it would be absolutely not. A lot of teams have uh, no trade lists if they're negotiating a, a future contract or a trade with their team. Islanders tended to always be on that no trade list. So yeah. I think it's a weird transitional time for them. I'm a huge Philadelphia Sixers fan, even though I hate the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And I find that when they lose, when something happens in free agency, when they make a dumb move, it affects my mood so much. And people who don't understand sports culture, people who don't follow a team like that, they're kind of like, well, what does it matter to you? Like, it's just a game. Like, the Sixers don't influence your life at all. How do you kind of convey your passion for the Islanders to people with an outside perception? You definitely find it a lot, especially in, like, the punk rock community because, you know, you're not supposed to be a jock or whatever. But... It's like I said, it's it's like a religion to me. Like I, I, I really want to see them succeed. I follow the team so closely. I went to the games, every single game for the better part of six years. Imagine if like you have a child playing Little League. Like you you have you have guys in oh, hockey dads is a perfect example too. Youth hockey, you get you get guys that are smashing the glass at the rink when their kids get like a penalty against them and they mm-hmm. get mad at the coaches and things. It's it's just it's something that affects you because it's it becomes part of you. It's a passion that's hard to explain. Passion is would be the word I'd focus on there, and that's kind of the motivation of the song is that there's so much passion that goes into being a fan and being a player or a coach of these teams. You got to have this passion, otherwise, what's the point of even playing it? Like it's been said a lot. I've heard in a lot of other podcasts on hockey that it's a game for children that, you know, adults live and die with. And it brings a sense of community, the, especially like when you have a local team like the the Islanders are. The New York Islanders are the only professional sports team that plays on Long Island mm-hmm. or that represents Long Island. If that represents your community, you want to see that succeed and it it becomes ingrained in you you know like it's usually passed down from generally the patriarch of a family like whatever your dad roots for that's what you're going to root for so that's like that's just as important as religion or any sense of family that you have if you're not a sports fan there's probably something that you feel 
this way about in your life. And you may not see it as sports fans feel the same way, but if like if you're really passionate about literature or theater or music or anything, like you feel that passion. And it's just it's the same thing, but to me it was a it's a way to turn my brain off or at least focus my mind elsewhere. Well said. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any music or any projects that you'd like to plug? I made a record in December with Ian Farmer. He produced the record. He played bass on it. Our friend Eric played drums on it. And Britt and Tim from the band Catbite played guitar and keyboard as well on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea when that's going to be released. Since <laughs> it's been a little complicated since, uh, you know, the the it, the covid situation has begun i have a uh, a bandcamp it's jimmy doyle j i m m y d o y l e dot bandcamp.com i love that song so much thank you jimmy and you can check out all his covers and songs on his bandcamp page next i talked to liz parsons of big nothing about the opening track to our compilation of love for phil who is phil you ask i don't know either but we're about to find out here's a little bit of for phil Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you. Now, the question everybody wants to know, who is Phil? <laughs> Phil is our, my family's dog. I adopted him, I think it's going to be seven years ago in December, which is really, really crazy to think about. I looked it up before mm-hmm. this so I could accurately say when we got him. So he's like almost eight now, which makes me so sad, but... Uh, so yeah, Phil is a dog. He's my dog. What kind of dog is he? He is some sort of mix. They weren't really sure what to what to call him, but he's like a little bit of lab, and he's got some pit bull in him and some like retriever, and I think he looks like a seal. So maybe oh. a seal too, yeah. That's so cute. Now <laughs> we've we've had people write songs about their partners, write songs about their parents. Have you played your song for Phil yet? I haven't actually. <laughs> I definitely will once it's out in the world. I'll debut it for him. I'm sure he'll love that. Yeah. You learned to play guitar in quarantine, correct? I did, yeah. And is this one of the first songs you wrote on guitar? This is the third one now. Yeah. The third that I've recorded. I have, you know, lots of other little things floating around, but this is the third song that I've actually recorded playing guitar on a recording, which is 
crazy. I just like, I'm really happy with myself for doing that. So yeah, it sounds great. What was the process learning guitar like in quarantine? Because I think that's one of the more difficult instruments to just start picking up. I started, honestly, Fender has this app called Fender Play and they, I don't mean this to sound like a plug. <laughs> I, love, I love Fender though. So they have this app for like learning all different instruments. When quarantine first started, they made it free for like three months or something. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to use that to learn. It's awesome. Um, And, you know, it starts out with really basic stuff, but also like in between lessons, you're like learning songs and stuff. So that was honestly how I learned. I've tried to learn in the past, but never really stuck with it. So I think I owe it mostly to that. Can you play uh, other instruments too? Yeah, I play bass. I've been playing bass for a pretty long time, like seven years now or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can never learn how to play guitar. And I always <laughs> wanted to. You and, know, uh, you that and I say that, but you can. I don't know. I could barely play drums back in my day. Like, I, I <laughs> well, just. Drums are really hard. I don't think I could play drums. <laughs> I'm just not musically inclined. And I, I'm okay with that. I'm good at other things. All right. This podcast was formed because my sister asked me to officiate her wedding. And. If I'm being honest with you, I haven't really spent much time exploring that subject. And the wedding's coming up in like two months. Yikes. Uh Yeah. Uh, Have you ever given a a speech at a wedding? (laughs) You know, I haven't, which is a huge... Okay, so my sister got married like, I don't know how many years ago now. It wasn't that long ago, like four years ago, maybe. I wrote a speech being her sister. Of course, I wanted to talk at like the reception. And Mm -hmm. I wrote, you know, this short, sweet little piece down and while the speeches were happening and people were like, oh, you know, be next and all that, I couldn't do it. I just like got so freaked out. I like didn't want to talk in front of all these people. There's like 150 or so people there. I just couldn't do it. So I wrote this really nice speech and I didn't say it. And then after the wedding, I actually gave it to her. And she was like, why didn't you say this? And I was like, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. So no, I'm sorry. I don't have any good advice for you. (laughs) Well, it can be overwhelming to talk in front of a a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, like I've had, I still have stage fright, you know, like I'm never like a hundred percent comfortable walking up and playing music even. It's just scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything you do like pre-show ritual to kind of calm your nerves? Definitely like deep breathing is a good Mm -hmm. one trying to laugh like just you know hanging out with my bandmates before we start just like laughing about stuff like that's always easy we're always like laughing while we're setting up and uh, just like having fun with it I don't know we'll do shots or something sometimes (laughs) and that seems you know to help a little bit you don't need the shots but it gets out of your head yeah, a little bit. So I, I ended up not, I got bad advice, not good advice out of this, but <laughs> still, still helpful. Uh, I was going to ask if you could have one musician play your wedding, who would it be? But instead, what I'm going to ask is if you could have one musician give your wedding speech, who would it be? So bad with these questions. I am too. I don't know why I ask them. <laughs> so <laughs> musician. Well, I could answer the first question. I don't know. The second question might take some like deep, deep thinking. I've always pictured like this, you know, like the dance when everyone's like coming out, like mm-hmm. you know, for the reception, they're like announcing everybody. I've always really pictured um, the Talking Heads song. Um, Psycho Killer? 
No. <laughs> this must be the place. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. This must be the place. So I always pictured like walking out to that song. I just, it's like one of my favorite love songs. So if they were there playing it, that'd be even sicker. I actually think David Byrne would be a good answer for wedding speech as well. Yeah, maybe. He's pretty like eccentric, right? That would be sick. So we'll, just, we'll go with that. Maybe I would pick Eddie Vedder, but only because I've <laughs> seen him give so many like speeches and he seems just really good at it yeah that would be awesome i don't really like pearl jam anymore but no i don't know i have such mixed feelings when i listen to them I'm like this is like i hate this but also they're a good band and did a lot <laughs> for music i guess my answer should also probably be ian farmer who will likely <laughs> actually give a speech at my wedding but that's not a fun answer that would be a wonderful person to give a speech at your wedding i'm sure or anyone's wedding for that matter he's Stay just tuned. knows how to talk this is, yeah. this is also um, news to him i am nowhere near getting married but <laughs> well when it happens i need a live stream like yeah, yeah you could come to the wedding <laughs> okay well, we're fast friends yeah. now <laughs> before we go do you have anything you'd like to plug well max helped me record the song so thank you max max stern and thanks to you and ian for asking me to do this it was really really fun and i've like never put out like a single by myself song so i feel like this could kickstart like something for me where i write more songs just for me i hope so this first song was excellent thank you thank you liz you can find more music from big nothing on Spotify and at Bandcamp. And we look forward to having Phil on our all-dog edition of Out of Love, along with Sister. Finally, making his third appearance on the show, my dad, Sean from Steady Hands, joins me to talk about his revisited version of the Steady Hands song, Old House. Let's take a listen. As the tears strip down your chin, it breaks my heart to leave you here. In the bed that we built, I've sleeping on the floor for years. No, I don't want to know No, I don't want to know Where I would be if you should go I've never seen that place before No, I don't want to know Sean, thank you so much for coming on with us and for sending us a song. Of course. Thank you for having me on your podcast for a third time. For a third time. A record third time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's There's really no contest at this point. I'm just, I'm just crushing it. <laughs> we love having you. Now, your love song that you sent us is actually a re-recording, re-arrangement of a previously released Steady Hand song. Yeah, that's correct. It was a song that we originally put on our, our last record that we finished in uh, 2018. What is that song Old House about? Old House, that refers to the house I live in now. It's me and my wife. We bought a 100-year-old house um, that had been redone, but it was built in um, early century in Philadelphia. And it was a really interesting time because... I was still going on tour. It was at the tail end of modern baseball, but I also like owned a house. So we were really definitely getting settled down into into being married and getting, you know, kind of our, our home life in order. But at that time I was still going on tour a bit. So it was really strange to leave for the first time after 
you know, signing a mortgage and moving into this house and then only spending a couple of weeks in there before having to leave again. At least you knew this time where you were going to return to every time you went on tour. That that was key. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, going back to the points where uh, I didn't quite have a new apartment in order uh, when leaving for tour that would be there for me when I got back. This was a uh, much more convenient. Musically, why did you want to go back and revisit Old House? So the process that we have always done steady hand songs when it comes to the studio is that I'll write the song and I'll present it to the band, whether it be sending to them or, you know, going over it in practice as just the skeleton of the guitar and the, the vocals. And then we usually kind of build it up in rehearsal or sometimes even just build it up in the studio. And I try to convey what I want the final product to be and the mm-hmm. final kind of big arrangement once everybody's lended their hand into it. And usually what we come up with, it tends to be slightly different than what I had in my head originally, because I usually have a really, really specific idea of what I want the final outcome to be. But I've surrounded myself with very talented musicians who can actually explain that musically. So a lot with me describing to them, it's just a lot of references and hand motions. So usually what we come up with is inherently going to be slightly different than what I have in my head originally, just because, you know, once everybody's adding their flavor and their ideas and just kind of the excitement of being in the studio influence that final product. So when I finish a recording or we finish a record, it's always interesting to kind of sit back and listen and think about the initial intentions with each song and what we came up with. And 90% of the time, 99% of the time, it's a nice surprise because I find these little things that I never really planned on that ended up happening just kind of in the magic of the studio. And then there's always that little voice in the back of your mind where you kind of think about like whether we did the song justice or whether we made all of the right decisions with the tune and whether if we had gone in a different direction, we would have come up with something that was more like I originally intended or, you know, something else that could have been better. So This is a song that, you know, I wanted it to be super stripped down, just vocals and an electric guitar, but a really kind of roomy, almost like Nebraska-esque sonic vibe to it. But rather than having it be like a stripped down acoustic tune, I wanted to kind of have that beefy electric guitar with a big room sound. So that's what we did. And I basically, you know, recorded it in just three tracks Um, that we layered on top in the studio. And, you know, what I came up with, uh, I was one of the cases where it was pretty much exactly what I had originally intended. You know, after sitting on the song for a while, I kind of think back to it and and I wonder of whether that tune would have been better off with a full band arrangement. So that's kind of what I wanted to see if we could accomplish with this song. Because so often bands will put out music or put out records or songs and then when they want to kind of put out something new without fully going in with whole new songs, they'll take that full band song and then release the acoustic version, which um, I'm extremely guilty of. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to flip that and try and do the opposite to try to release something that's something more than what the original was and give a, a whole new kind of offering to the song. Absolutely. And it sounds great. I'm incredibly biased, but I think it's better version. It made me cry multiple times when I first listened to it. I'll take that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
You've done a lot of home renovation in that old house, including building a tiki bar in your basement. Where did your love of tiki bars stem from? <laughs> home renovation is a generous term because, uh, you know, I am a novice at best. Your basement is very, very well put together. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I've been able to do a lot of fun projects here. And, you know, we've had a lot of professionals come in and do actual fixing of issues we, we found in the house as you do as uh, new homeowners. But when it comes to the fun stuff, uh, yeah, I was I managed to build a pretty sweet bar in the basement and the love of tiki really came from just being on tour and kind of discovering that there was this little underground network of people who were really into this huge polynesian pop movement that started in the 30s and kind of completely fell out of pop culture by the 70s but there was this little underground scene and some bars that were existing around the country that really, you know, even from the time when I discovered it to now, it's really kind of exploded. But when I first kind of stumbled on a couple of these bars, it was really difficult to find. So, you know, I'd be on tour and we were going to a city. And, you know, before we were pulling into that city, I was just online searching, going through like, you know, message boards and trying to find out if there was any good tiki bars or places where you can get these kind of lost cocktails. So it was kind of like a little exciting search everywhere we went and it felt similar to when you were in high school before music was so widely available with spotify and whatnot where you had to actually like seek out bands and you know spend hours on the internet looking through liner notes seeing what bands were being thanked on other bands records and so on and so forth to kind of discover new music so that kind of became my little hobby of just discovering these new bars this new history these new drinks all this new mugs and whatnot I love that. And you have such a collection of really cool, really vintage mugs. You're always posting your drinks on Instagram. What is your favorite tiki drink that no one has ever heard of? Probably, you know, it's it's definitely a known drink in the tiki world, but to an outsider, they would have never heard of it is the Navy Grog, which is original drink by Don the Beachcomber, who's kind of the father of tiki. And it was Frank Sinatra's go-to drink. What is in drink so uh navy grog it's it's a really boozy grapefruit it uses honey syrup kind of got a tartness to it because of the combination of the grapefruit and the lime and i think it's just a really nice balanced drink it's not too sweet it's nice and puckery but still has a nice boozy flavor to it i love that will you commit to opening up your own tiki bar post pandemic right now on the podcast uh no for tenfold reasons um <laughs> First of all, I happen to work in the beverage industry, so I've seen firsthand uh, what the pandemic has done to on-premise establishments. Second of all, a good tiki bar is extremely expensive to build if you want to have really authentic artwork and authentic environment, escapist environment. Third of all, it's also expensive because the ingredients need to be extremely fresh and the booze needs to be high quality. So that's also extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. And lastly, um, since a lot of people don't know about it, there's no mass appeal. So you get a small amount of people in the door every day. So terrible business, you know, tip my, tip my hat to all the folks out there running great ones. I'll just remain a customer for now. Will you commit to right now taking me to a tiki bar the next time we go out? That would be my pleasure. <laughs> all right, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. All right, thanks for having me, Dan. Thank you to Sean for coming back on the show. And thank you to every single one of our artists who contributed a song to the compilation of love. That includes Lowercase Roses, Slaughter Beats Dog, Chris Farron, 
Darla, Couplet, Hurry, Jimmy Doyle, Catasiliano, Thin Lips, Liz Parsons, Nawal Parkins, Amanda Dark Angelus, Maxwell Stern, Gladdy, Sweetbreads, Sean Cantatore, Walter, etc., Forty Lake Stereo Club, Anika and Roger, No Thank You, Steady Hands, W.C. Lindsay, Jillian Crystal, and U.S. Highball. 24 incredible artists. Check out all their work. Bandcamp, Spotify, you have Google. You know how it works. Thank you to Ian Farmer for helping us put this together. Thank you to Jake Katz for helping us master the album. Thank you to Aaron Bradley for redesigning our logo. Thank you to Shane Duffner for doing our album artwork. And thank you to Marissa Rial for doing our PR. If you liked what you heard today, please go out and buy the compilation of love. If you like wearing a shirt, please go out and buy the Out of Love shirt. All proceeds go to Women Against Abuse. It is an incredible organization. They are doing a lot of important work. And I hate to say it like this, but as we approach the third wave of the coronavirus, we're probably going to have to spend a lot more time indoors, and they're really, really going to need our support. So please donate to Women Against Abuse. If you want to contribute through our means, please buy the compilation of love. Please buy the Out of Love shirt. If you have, thank you so much. Your support means a lot to us, and it really does go to a lot of wonderful causes. Well, that does it for our series on talking to the Compilation of Love artist. Next Tuesday, we're going to find out just how much money we made for Women Against Abuse. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at outofloveshow at gmail.com. Please subscribe to and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Out of Love is a production of WeWo Media and is recorded at Green Street Studios. It is hosted and produced by Dan Castorella. The show is mixed by Jake Katz, our engineer. Aaron Bradley is our art director. The opening theme is Acolyte, and the closing theme is Toronto Mug, both written and performed by Slaughter Beach Dog. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Go vote, wear a mask, and stay lovely. <laughs>